All right, fam. It is, it is that time. We excited about the word? We do we do we have a little bit of excitement left? A little juice left? So I, I hear he got it. <laughs> but um, the the year of the soul. I guess it's been more of a theme uh, than than a quote-unquote series type thing, but the conversation for, for us for this year has been surrounding uh, what it is to, to have a healthy soul, what it is to um, be examined in my soul, being okay with journeying that deep, if you will, in, into my, myself as a person and seeing those areas uh, in my inner man that, that might need to be re-examined. Uh, I, I could, it's quite possible uh, for me to be a Christian, be in church, doing the, the, the church things, the, the church life. I know the church lingo. I know how to answer questions when people ask me something in church. I, I can do all that and fool you, but I still have an unhealthy soul. It's very, very possible. Matter of fact, I'm going to raise my hand and say I know what it is for sure because I lived that way for a very, very long time. What it was to give all the answers, I knew. How you doing, brother? Blessing highly favored. You know what's up. Yes, yes. He is good. And those things are true. But that does not mean that, that the true impact of what he did and the fullness of life that he came to bring. Remember, John 10, 10, thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, destroy, but I have come that you might have what? Church? No. A good service? No. Life. And have life more abundantly. And it's quite possible to have good church, but your life is not abundant. My life's not full. As I've been told scripturally, it's supposed to be by, my, by way of my relationship with Jesus. So that's been where we've been uh, in conversation with, with this year. So has it been, has it been blessing you with, with all the messages that, that have been coming? Been, been, challenged, been challenging to me, even the stuff that the Lord's allowed to come through my own mouth. I'm, I'm up here having an out-of-body experience. Who said that? Like type thing. Like, man, that hurt. Talking to, talking to you, <laughs> talking to me. But it's been good. It's been good because remember the, the scriptures are given for reproof, for rebuke, for correction, for inspiration as well. But but anytime the word is in discussion, I'm supposed to be challenged. I'm supposed to be challenged in, in a way that that gives a sense of hope that I'm on my way somewhere. It's not going to beat me up and leave me in shame, but it's going to show who it is that you've really been called to be. You've really been called to be. Because I'm convinced that there's a version of ourselves that we've yet to meet. And once we meet that version, blown away at who it is that God has really called us to be. So we're taking a little bit of a turn uh, today, st still, still within that theme. But uh, coming off of coming off of last week, last week was just bananas. It was just, just awesome. Love celebrating Easter with, with strong, with strong city family. It's like, like I said, then you know, the he got up. That's a theme every time we get together. But you know, for for the day that 
were supposed to celebrate that. It, it was it was awesome. The kids they did their thing, and it was great great time and just everything from from start to finish. But over the next few weeks, uh, I, I'm wanting us to look at what what we're gonna call the cross on my soul. The cross on my soul. And where we're going with that is that we're going to look at uh, how the revelation of the death, the burial, and the resurrection, how it impacts my soul. How it's supposed to impact my soul. And where we're coming from that, remember our, our definition uh, of the soul that we've kept uh, going throughout our conversations has been, it's, it's my mind, it's my will, it's my emotions, it's my heart. Okay? The soul has four compartments, the mind, the will, the emotions, the heart, the mind, where your logic and reasoning is, the will, where your decisions and choices are made, your emotions, your desires and your impulses, and your heart, where your beliefs and convictions lie. So all of that, and we're going to open that up uh, over, the, over the next few weeks. This is just the, uh, the opening part for it. But we're going to look at it and, and study how, how the, the revelation of the, the, the fullness of the cross. Because it's, it's, not, it's not just the cross. If there was a cross and he didn't get up, we got a problem. There is no faith. There is no faith if it was just the executing of a criminal and that was the end. That's what makes all other religions have to bow to the kingdom. Because there is no other religious figure in history where you can go and find a tomb where they used to lay. They still hold their tombs. Only for us in Christianity did the king have the stone rolled away. And if I go to Israel today, I will find nothing of him still being there. That's what, makes, that's what makes this faith what it is. And that's what gives us a sense of something to have faith in. But there was an impact that that was supposed to have in my mind, my will, my emotions, and my heart. Something was supposed to shift and change in that area because of me believing in that revelation. So that's what we're about to look at over the next, next couple weeks. I'm just a little bit excited about it. I don't know if y'all can tell. Just, just a little bit, just a little bit. So I need us to go to, I, don't, I actually don't have a ton of scriptures uh, today. Uh, we're going to look at about four different, four or five translations of one scripture. And then we got a few more to examine. So let's roll to uh, Galatians chapter 5, please. Galatians chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. Just give me about, give me about 40 minutes of your time or so lay this out Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 we're going to, that's the one that we're going to look at in uh, various translations and then we're going to go to uh, verses 2 through 4 in Galatians 5 in the Passion Translation and I think I might have one more scripture after that but let's pray right quick Father we thank you for this time that you've brought us together. Thank you, Lord, that now we've come to where we're about to feast on what it is that you have spoken to us. We know that the grass withers and the flower fades, but it is your word that stands now and forever. If there's anything that I can put my full weight on, it's what you've said. 
And so now, Holy Spirit, we're making space for you. You are the master teacher. You're the master communicator. Nobody does it better than you. I am not in a, in a match with trying to do it better. I want to be used by the one who does it the best. So I ask you, Lord, to help me preach and deliver this message in the same way that it was given to me. Please don't let me trip over my own insecurities about myself and what it is that's been studied up to this point. Feed your people, Lord. I want to be utilized. And I thank you, Lord, for your, for your grace and presence being in this moment. And I thank you that everyone, everyone, everyone logged on, everyone in this room under the sound of my voice, and this one holding the microphone. I thank you that we're all walking away strengthened and empowered by what it is that you're going to deliver to us in this time. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. If I got some agreement, somebody shout amen. 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 Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. So the, the cross, the cross on my soul, the cross on my soul. Uh, before we hit uh, Galatians 5, uh, you, you're smart, so I know you know that there are previous chapters before, before Galatians 5. So again, just to give a little, give a little context, Galatians is uh, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Galatia. And he, he's writing to them in a nutshell because they have, uh, it has come to his attention that they have diverted away from the faith that he presented to them. And in diverting away from it, what it is is they, they have uh, added in and brought extra things into the requirements of what it is to be made righteous by God. Paul delivered to them that it's by way of believing in Jesus Christ in the finished work on the cross that you are made righteous before God. So you accept in faith the finished work on the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. You accept all of that package as if that were you. You accept that. You accept it in that sense and believe that he did that on your behalf. You repent of your sin and ask forgiveness. And then by way of you repenting, asking forgiveness and believing in that finished work, you now step into the benefit of what Jesus did. And that is all. He delivered that message to them and they accepted it. They accepted it at that moment, and then the church is thriving, and it's growing, but then somehow false teachers get in the mix in Galatians. And they start saying that that which Paul has said is true, but there's also something else. They start trying to reintroduce the works of the law in which Jesus Christ fulfilled. Now they're trying to bring back into the mix so that you both, you have to do both of believing in Jesus, but then you also too have to get circumcised. You have to believe in Jesus, but then you also got to stay away from certain foods. You got to believe in Jesus, but then you also have to do X, Y, and Z. So Paul has gotten whiff of that and he's writing a letter to them to say, basically, this, this has gotten off track, and I need you to go back to the way that, that, you, that you used to be. So just give you a little, give you a little context there. So now we're uh, in, in Galatians 5. We're going to look at verse 1. I got five, five translations that we're, that we're going to look at it because there's something in this verse that, that I'm needing us to, to, to pull from. So he says, stand fast, therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again 
with a yoke of bondage. Stay right there for a moment, Tristan. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Do not. Talk, talking, talking to them, specifically to them, to the church, giving a command to the church. You do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Okay, give me, give me, give me the next one. Should be the uh, message translation. So this is message translation. Christ has set us free to live a free life. Seems obvious. Christ has set us free to live a free life. You know, it's interesting sometimes, though, that that which would appear to be obvious is not. The, the, the fact that he has to reiterate that you, you've been given this freedom. Now, make sure that you actually use it to go and live, live a free life. Not to be caught again in bondage. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Mm -hmm. give, give me the next one, Tristan, please. ESV. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Let me, let me give you the, uh, the Phillips translation. I couldn't uh, put it on the screen. Phillips translation, the Bible says, Plant your feet firmly, therefore, within the freedom that Christ has won for us. And do not let yourselves be caught again in the shackles of slavery. And do not let yourselves be caught again in the shackles of slavery. I hope you're catching on to the theme. I'm going I'm to I'm unpack it in a moment. Give, give me... Give me uh, the, the Passion Translation now, Tristan, please. Galatians 5.1, Passion Translation. Let me be clear. The Anointed One has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Now give me uh, two through four, please. Galatians 5, two through four. All right, so, so stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of the past. Verse two, I, Paul, tell you, if you think there is benefit in circumcision and Jewish regulations then you're acting as though Jesus, the anointed one, is not enough. Mm. I say it again emphatically. If you let yourselves be circumcised, you are obliged to fulfill every single one of the commandments and regulations of the law. Verse 4. If you want to be made holy by fulfilling the obligations of the law, you have cut off more than your flesh. You have cut yourselves off from the anointed one and have fallen away from the revelation of grace. From the revelation of grace. So Paul, in, in verse 1, and we read uh, various translations of it, Paul is moving to be as clear as he can without any doubt of, of the ramifications of the cross. I love how the Passion Translation says, let me be clear, the anointed one has set us free. Okay, so, so there's no argument on your freedom. The, the anointed one has made it clear and by his work he has set us free, not 
partially. It wasn't a half work that was done on the cross. It wasn't a half work that was done with the mission of the, of the Son of God coming from heaven into earth, stepping through the 40 and two generations, stepping into the dressing room of Mary's womb, wrapping himself in flesh, coming out Emmanuel God with us, growing in stature with favor in God and man and living the life that he lived to give us the, 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 the template as to what a man fully submitted unto God's life can actually look like. There was no, there was no mistake within. He, he, he completely set us free. But it is so, it's so interesting to know in, in verse 1 that although that is the reality, we have to always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back. ESV, do not submit again. Philip's translation, do not let yourselves be caught again. Message translation, never again let anyone. New King James, do not be entangled again. Do not be entangled again. Which shows that although the work was done by Jesus and there's nothing else to be added, is it possible that the, that the people that, that uh, Paul is talking to still have some kind of appetite within them for what they came from. Elder Johnny, how, how could this be? This is good news. Who doesn't want freedom? Who, who don't want the fullness of freedom? So the fact that the Apostle Paul makes this statement to them, let, let me be clear. Let me set the record straight. It is the anointed one who has completely set us free. That's good news for me. But yet he gives a warning right after that statement and say, now what you've got to do is stubbornly refuse to go back. Why do I have to stubbornly refuse to go back if the news is so good? Seems like if the news was so good, I would just completely reject what I used to have and go after what's better. But it doesn't always work that way. Because within a man's soul, his mind, his will, his emotions, and his heart, it is quite possible that I still got some kind of appetite for what was. I still have some kind of, some kind of infatuation. And there's still some kind of interest and appeal to me that still pulls me for what I know is not as good as what I'm being pointed toward, yet there's still something that pulls me back. Oh, is somebody going to talk to me this morning? There is no need for anything else to be added to the equation of what Jesus did, period. We can all agree on that, yet... There is still this appetizing appealment to where the Apostle Paul, that's why I read it in all those translations, don't let yourself be, don't let yourself be entangled again. Stubbornly refuse to go back. You've got to refuse. Do not submit again, which is to imply that there is a personal responsibility that I hold in making sure that yesterday does not incarcerate me. He didn't, say, he didn't say that the Lord was going to get this done. He's saying you have got to make sure that you don't submit. You don't come in compliance with. You don't come into agreement with what it is that used to hold you. And don't let those sweet nothings be whispered into your ear again. Don't let that be whispered into you again to where, to where it would try and grab a hold to something that it can find within you to find some kind of agreement 
We talked about this a few months ago, but remember, any time that, that something is happening within your life, it's only because you've actually come into agreement with that. In some way, in some shape, way, or fashion, I have come into agreement with whatever it is I am bearing fruit of. I cannot bear fruit unless some kind of agreement has been made. The fruit of a child being born cannot happen unless there was some kind of agreement that might have been made. So there's something appealing within the ways of the old with keeping with the customs and laws of Moses that gave some sense of comfort and heritage but was still keeping them from what their hearts actually yearned for. This gives us greater context to the fact that Paul was addressing the dual desires in the Galatians. They were wanting to receive the fullness of the anointed one, but yet still wanting to hold on to what was. Desiring the new man and new life, but wanting, to hold, but wanting still to hold on to the familiar and what they came from. Give, give me a, a verse four still up there. Thank you. If you want to be made holy by fulfilling the obligations of the law, you have cut off more than your flesh. You have cut yourselves off from the anointed one and have fallen away from the revelation of grace. So the Passion Translation says that we stubbornly refuse to go back, meaning that the bondage must have had some sense of appeal to it, and it doesn't look as repugnant as it might seem. Isn't that so interesting? Something that is actually a trap. If I make it too ugly, you won't, you won't submit to it. Because you're brilliant enough to know that that's something that's trying to get me. But if I paint it, if I make it smell good, if, if I make it appealing enough, this is, this is classic one-on-one. Talk to me, uh, Elder Johnny, when it comes to hunting. When it comes to, hunt, when it comes to hunting, you, you've, got to, you've got to dress up a trap if, if you're going to catch something. You can't make it look like an actual trap because the animal's going to know that that's something that I don't need to mess with. But if I put some sense of appealment to it, if I put the right food in there, if I put the right environment around it to make them comfortable around it, they'll get too comfortable. And in getting too comfortable, my mission is achieved. I trap them. And evidently, what, what Paul is addressing as a bondage and, and, and a yoke Talking about the law still had some kind of appealness to it, to, to, the, to the Jewish Galatians, to where they still were wanting to be drawn, drawn back to that. Now let's bring it to us. What is it that still might be pulling at your soul and still trying to, to approach you as if it has some type of thing that's going to do you good and do you well. Because with the, with the revelation of the cross, what is, what is supposed to be happening, and I, I forgot to mention this, so I'm sorry. The, today and the next few weeks will be, be focusing in on the mind, my, my, logic, my logic and my reasoning. My logic and my reasoning, the, the impact that the cross was, was supposed to happen on, on my logic and my reasoning because uh, the, the various translations that we went through, Galatians 5.1, uh, it, it, call, it called uh, the, the yoke of slavery. It, it mentioned that the law was a yoke of slavery. It called it a harness 
of slavery. It calls it shackles. It calls it bondage. Although it still obviously had some sense of prettiness to it to where the, the Jewish believers of Galatia still wanted to both try and keep the law as well as believe in Jesus and you couldn't do all of those. That those words harness, yoke, shackle, bondage. These were not uh, actual physical things that were hanging off of their body. This was a metaphor of Paul saying that that way of thinking, that logic, that reasoning, that, that, that pathology that you have in your mind to think that you can still achieve this in your own goodness, that's what's causing you to still be, be in slavery. And for us, with the revelation of the cross, it has to transform me in my logic and in my reasoning so that I don't continue to find appetizing what is actually something trying to kill me. It's something that's actually trying to kill me. Now, uh, the, the, the statement that I just made, the fact that the bondage still has some sense of appeal to it, so it's not as ugly or, or as repugnant as it might seem. Give me uh, Proverbs 16.25. This is my uh, supporting text with this. There is a way yeah, that seems right unto a man, but its end is the way of death. Seems right unto the man, meaning that if it seemed right unto the man, the man got started by having his, appeal man, his, his appetite appealed to. He didn't get started with something that he is uh, uh, repulsed by or something that he is not attracted to. The path got started with something that I look at and that I like. This, this, this honestly is, is, is the strategy of, of the enemy with, with anybody, in particular trying, trying to catch us at, at young ages. I'll catch you young with something that looks cute, that looks cool, that looks fun. And get you started on the path. And then by the time I get you to the end. My work's been achieved. And the unfortunate thing about this is by the time. For too many of us. I recognize that this is deadly and killing me. I'm at the end. That's the text. Text doesn't say that halfway through I recognize that it's death and I jump off. The end thereof. Is death. Starts out cute. Starts out fun. Starts out as just a little something, something here and there. But the end thereof is the way of death. Showing that there, that there is a, a, a masking. This, this, is, this is one, one of the, the major strategies of the enemy. To appeal to you. Go, go and research it yourself. I don't have time to dive into it right now, but Ezekiel 28 uh, dives into this very much so, so much so that it says that uh, Satan uh, had his wisdom polluted because of his, his love for beauty, his love for appeal, his love for things to be adorned and look good. So, of course, he's going to employ that to be able to knock my blinders off, to be attracted to something that's actually not built for me. And, and, when, and when I have not 
receive the fullness of the revelation of the cross to where it is impacting how I think about me. I still am open and susceptible to looking at what was and comparing it to what I have now. When according to this and what we're talking about, cannot be done so. It can't be done. Because the two, the, two aren't on the, same, the two aren't on the same playing field. They're not on the same playing field. And there's a responsibility that, that I hold with this. Do not submit again. Stubbornly refuse to go back. I stubbornly refuse to go back to my yesterday because of what it is that has been done for me. The revelation of the cross. The fullness of the cross. And what it was that was accomplished has, has such a, such a life-altering factor on me that there's an empowerment that comes to where I can be empowered to stubbornly refuse to go back. I'm not going back to the bondage of yesterday. I'm not going back to those shackles of what used to hold me yesterday. I will not allow my soul to be arrested to where I, I'm, I'm flowing in the sense of, of continuing to flow in a sense of unforgiveness and self-hatred and different issues and things of my heart. I'm laying all those things down before the Lord so that I can get the full revelation of what it was that I have been freed from because I don't want to be living this dualistic life of playing this game on Sunday but then come Tuesday I don't know what to do and I'm all and I'm all racked in my brain and within my emotions he came to give life and to give life more abundantly so it's not just not just this anesthetizing that happens to me on Sunday to make me feel good but then there's no kind of empowerment that I have throughout the week you have been given this sense of revelation and empowerment by way of what happened on the cross to free your soul so that your mind will your emotions and your heart are free to flow in the way that God originated them to flow but for what we're talking about today your mind being set in the way that Christ has called for it to be set your logic and your reasoning coming into agreement with the fullness with the fullness of God with the fullness of God and there's a reason why there's a reason why we, 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 we need your thinking shifted. One, for sure, because we need what's in you. It's for everybody. We need what's in you. No one shows up empty-handed. No one shows up into the earth with no kind of gift to display and to give to the world. If you're here, you have an assignment. If you're here, you have a purpose. But we've got to make sure that our soul is in a healthy enough state to be able to give and distribute what it is that we are carrying from the eternal realm. And I don't need you leaving with my stuff that's on the inside of you. And I'm doing my best to live a life to where I don't leave with something that's still in me that was supposed to be given away to impact somebody's life. So my thinking, my logic, my reasoning has to, has to be impacted in a way to where I'm making sure that that which uh, is not good for me is not uh, appealing or is, is not supposed to be appealing or is not healthy for me. It's not something that, that actually is still being pulled on within me as something that, that might be appealing. Give me Isaiah 10 and 20, uh, 10, 27. It's actually my last scripture and I'm, I'm wrapping up here. Isaiah 10, 27. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder. 
and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. The yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. It's Old Testament reference to, to the anointing. But if you, if you think back to where we just came from, Galatians 5, how, how did Paul describe living that dual life? Of trying to be both in Christ and for them to try and keep the law. He called it a yoke of slavery. He said, you, you, you are trying to go back to this yoke of slavery. But here we are have, having the answer by way of it, him saying that the, that the yoke is being destroyed because of the anointing. Or, or we could say because of the anointing, which in Old Testament reference was this type and shadow of the anointed one. Who, who was to come. So the anointed one has come on the scene and he is there to be the yoke-breaking, yoke-destroying one. But what I want us to look at with this is the understanding of, remember I said that the words uh, harness, yoke, uh, entanglement, everything that Paul used in Galatians 5, we're talking about uh, a way of thinking, okay? A way of thinking. So, his, so that burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his way of thinking from your neck and the way of thinking will be destroyed because of the anointing oil just give give a little give a little context with this yokes yokes were placed uh on on oxen most of the time in in biblical times and with with the yoke if you think about it because it was put on them when they were young it was put on them when they were calf but it produces a set way for them to think concerning their life and the thought process is that my life cannot expand beyond this yoke. My life goes no further than this yoke. All that life was, is, and ever will be is me wearing this yoke and plowing this field and, and being with this person. So the yoke is representative of a set pattern of thought that is produced in us whenever we submit to it or come under the bondage of a yoke. Any kind of yoke that is evident within my life is going to be shown in how I think. In the process of how I think. Which is why with us, with, with this, series, with this uh, conversation, the year of the soul, it is pertinent that we have got to allow our logic and our reasoning to be examined by the Spirit of God to make sure. It, is my logic and reasoning coming to the conclusion that it is supposed to according to what this book says that I am and what it is that I can do? Because if it is not, then I've got to allow the Lord to, to, to come close enough and to be real enough with me and me to be open enough to receive his correction of where it is that my thinking about me and who it is that God has called me to be is not lining up in the fullness of who it is that he's called me to be. In what way am I still agreeing with the yoke? In, in, in what way? Because the anointed one has come and has come in a way to place a destruction upon the yoke. But Elder Johnny, there are times where sometimes I find myself trying to piece it back together again. Try, trying to piece it back together again and coming back into agreement with bondage. But it looks pretty to me. Still looks pretty to me. Has a sense of familiarity to it. Because me journeying into the fullness of who God's called me to be sometimes requires that sense of unfamiliarity. 
that sense of formlessness. See, this is why two, uh, 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 Ephesians 3.20, thank you, Lord. Now unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly far above it is, I can ask, hope, or think according to the power that's at work within us. See, we, we celebrate with that. And, and that's a celebration one, but let's talk about it a little bit. If God moves and works in a way that goes beyond my capacity to think, then that means he has now gone into a realm I have no point of reference for. And for most of us, we do not respond in faith with that. We respond in massive discomfort. Why? Because we like to, to know what's going on. I like to know what's going on. I like to know that I have some sense of control and some sense of what's coming next. But in order for that scripture to be fulfilled within my life, I've got to release my right to control. I've got to release my right to control in order for him to honestly move in a way that is above, exceedingly abundantly, what I can ask, hope, or think. It's another playing field. Because my thinking has a limitation. My desires have a limitation. My thought process has a limitation. And yet my, my God, my Father, the one who went to the cross and paid that kind of price for me, operates on another level to where I cannot stop him with my thought process. Because if he stayed within the realm of what I can think, hope, or imagine, then he can be stopped by what it is that I think. But since he doesn't allow himself to be incarcerated by my thought process, now he's got the space to be able to move and, and call me higher and call me into a space and call me into the realm that I was truly born for. But he has to be the pilot and be the navigator of that. He has to be the pilot and the navigator of that. And he is the anointed one. But then check this, 1 John 2.20. You have an anointing. And you know all things. You have an anointing. And the anointing is reflective of a certain thought pattern. The yoke has a certain thought pattern to it. The anointing has a certain thought pattern to it. And if the destruction of the yoke is going to come within my life to fully destroy the yoke and, and, re and remove the burden from it, then there, there, my logic and reasoning has got to come into agreement with the anointing that's within me. It's got to come into agreement with the anointed one who lives within me. There's a certain logic. And see, this is, this is once again the, 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 the vital importance of me eating and breathing and, and making sure that there's a relationship that I have with the word of God. Because the word of God is what? Your pattern for thinking. Your pattern for thinking. Who it is that God has called you to be. Who it is that God says that you are. What it is that God says that you can have. What it is that God said that you can do. All found within the pages of the book that he left to us. This book that he's left to us. You are anointed and we need you to come into alignment with your logic and reasoning. And your, come into agreement in your thinking with your anointing. With your anointing. Yeah, Pastor, but it's, but it's been rough. You're still anointed. Yeah, but I just, I don't feel no different. I just feel like me. Well, me is anointed. 
Anointing is, 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 we're not talking about a particular feeling. We are talking about a truth that has been placed on your life. No one gets into the earth by accident. You have to be spoken. You don't sneak your way into the earth. You must be appointed. And in being appointed, you are given an assignment and you are anointed to do so. And in coming, coming into agreement in your soul with the anointing that is on your life. I'm wrapping up here. Go ahead, play, uh, Ryan. Come into agreement with the anointing that is upon your life in how you think is going to produce, going to produce tremendous results in what it is that you can do and what it is that you see walking out in your days. The cross on your soul. That finished work changed everything. The fullness of that finished work changed everything. It rearranges my appetites. Rearranges what I'm attracted to. Gives me the actual testimony that I once was attracted to that. But now my appetite has been shifted and my appetite has been changed. And it might be progressive. But we're still continuing forward and continuing to move in that direction of where my soul is anchored in his goodness. My, my, my logic and reasoning, I, I sense it that it's shifting and it's changing and I'm thinking more in alignment with who God has made me to be. I'm thinking more in alignment and coming into agreement despite what it is uh, that I see and what it is I think I know about myself compared to what it is that God has said to me sometimes the two can have such a chasm and such a gulf between them by our perception but you're anointed you're anointed the presence of God is upon you and lives within you and we need your logic and reasoning coming into agreement with that of who God has said that you are so that the earth is able to benefit from you being here you are not just in the earth to pay bills and die you are not just in the earth to be a good employee and get a gold watch or whatever it is they give away now and just float off no you made your way into the kingdom you have been awakened to the fullness of God that is within you there's an investment that's been made in you and God being the greatest investor of all time has full right to expect a full return on what it is that has been invested in you and in me we need our souls coming into alignment in all areas but in our logic and in our reasoning and in how we think coming into alignment this is what you said Lord this is what you told me and things are rough right now and I, and I still do have a little bit of appetite for this and it, 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 still, it still does look good and looks appealing but I'm I'm continuing to move forward Lord I'm continuing to progress I'm continuing to believe 
that my greatest days are not behind me continuing to believe that I'm I'm worth fighting for and that there's something greater on the other side continue to believe that evidently there must have been something within me for you to pay the kind of price that you paid Christ has set us free but let us make sure that our souls are not finding our old ways still appetizing and you're not left alone in that this is not, this is not uh, a willful struggle. I'm not going to do it, not going to do it, not going to do it. That, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about giving a full yes to the goodness that we've tasted of today. And watch how God starts to, from a natural standpoint, I, I've seen this in my own life, that from a natural standpoint, he will start to lay out strategy to you as to next steps that you literally can take. Who it is that you need to get connected with. Who it is that you might need to go out and have a cup of coffee or have lunch with. What it is you need to start reading. What it is you need to stop watching. What it is you need to stop listening to. This is the new routine I want you to have. Every morning I want you to wake up and do this. I'm, I'm telling you. That's the real way that it came for me. And little by little, it didn't happen just drastically for me, not for me. Little by little, I started to see a transformation. I started to see myself coming more into agreement. And, and, and it being a whole lot more difficult for me to be talked out of that plan that he said that he had. You are anointed. The anointed one has set you free. But let's do the work on the soul. So that those old ways, they don't fool us no more. Because they're not as appetizing as they appear. Come on, put your hands together. Put your hands together. Celebrate the word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you would, rest on your feet, please. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you. Pray that that word enriched you in some kind of way. Believe it did cross on my soul impacting my mind my will my emotions my heart lift your hands please let me bless you may the lord bless you keep you cause his face to shine upon you establish you give you peace and continue to increase the revelation in you of the impact that his resurrection the fact that he got up what it has done for our lives. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed. Listen, thank you so much for logging on with us. We love you. We'll see you next week. God bless you.